here we are for the Low End Podcast. Today we are blessed to have the great and wonderful Kyle Ham on the podcast. You're actually the first guest I've ever had. It's an um, honor. Yeah, it's it's just been me, so this is cool to have somebody else to talk to and not just stare at a screen by myself. Um, today we're just going to go over some of your hobbies. Uh, I know you wanted to dive into psychedelics a little bit, maybe get into traveling and hiking and just some of the stuff you do um, sure for those of you that don't know um, I know Kyle through my drummer Sean uh, you're his brother and a little little known fact for those of you that don't know as well is that you played our very first show on bass uh, for Gomi mm-hmm. what was that like for you I, I really enjoyed it we're big rock stars now so I don't know if <laughs> <laughs> well um, it was a cool experience I've never actually had a an experience on stage like that playing in a rock band before so um that was my first show as well oh, as nice. gomi's first show ever <laughs> and um i haven't really done much with music since then besides just playing guitar at home so yeah just playing at home mm-hmm. well that's cool i mean you did a great job i mean it was it was a fun show and thank you it was a good time what i don't remember what was up you were going to college or something because i know we were interested in having you keep playing but mm-hmm. yeah i uh, got accepted to ASU when I applied and um, I had an apartment lined up there and everything and um, so I was expecting that to work out and you know I just didn't end up feeling like I wanted to go through with it so um, I, I ended up backing out at the last minute there so yeah. uh, I did go to community college <laughs> but um, I, I dropped out pretty quickly it wasn't for me yeah yeah I didn't go to school either it just it's no big deal High school was enough for me. I just kind of, I didn't like going to high school and I was like, there's no way I'm going to go to college. Yeah. I, I was, I started working right away and, um, I, you know, when I was in college, uh, briefly, I just had an overwhelming feeling that, uh, it wasn't where I wanted to be. And, um, I definitely don't regret it. I've had a fantastic life. Yeah. And, you know, you may not know it, but I follow you guys. I follow, you know, what you do on Facebook. I'm a stalker. So I kind of vicariously live through all the things you do, which is some of the stuff we're going to get into. Um, Let's just dive into it. So um, you do rock climbing, indoor and outdoor. You do bouldering too, right? Yeah, I primarily boulder. Um, I started climbing about six years ago, and uh, it felt pretty immediately like something I wanted to do forever. And um, I have so far. So good. It's, it's a lifestyle kind of thing, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the majority of the people I associate with are climbers. And um, yeah, I've met a lot of good people. As you can probably imagine, there's a ton of interesting and awesome people in the climbing community. Yeah. And, and all that's kind of tied into the hiking background because you guys have to hike out to wherever you're going to, you know, you're going to climb. Yeah. Yeah. So the hiking thing, um, I actually discovered climbing as a result of hiking directly because um, <clears throat> a couple of years back, uh, like 2013, I went out to Colorado and attempted a through hike of the Colorado Trail, which is 500 miles. It goes from Denver to Durango. And um, so I spent about three weeks hiking and I went 400 miles and did not do the remaining 100. But that's because I got distracted by uh, this kind of idea of more adventure. Um, I I, I wanted to like settle out there. So suddenly I was like, I'm going to go back to this town that I passed through and had a blast in and really enjoyed meeting all the people there and um i i stumbled on an employment opportunity so i was just like we'll, we'll roll the dice and see how it goes um so i did go back to that town and i got the job and i ended up staying there for about a month after i had stopped hiking and while i was there i mean 
in the end, didn't I, I? I came home. Winter started yeah. coming, and it got. I, I saw things start to change there, <laughs> and no I was joke. like, I could tell. I mean, I mean, even people's character changed once you know once the uh, season starts changing. They're yeah. like anticipating, you know, just being buried all winter, and it's just like, I, I didn't know if I was quite ready for that. Is that where your mom's at? She's in Durango. That's yeah. uh, in the southwest of Colorado, but okay. not too far. Not too yeah. far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but anyway, while I was there, uh, they had a little bouldering wall in the public park, just an artificial one. They're a lot more common these days, but back then I'd never seen one before. And uh, one of the local climber guys, I I assume, came over to the wall and he put on his fancy climbing shoes and chalked up his hands and he just did this beautiful traverse of the wall and it was inspiring so i told myself i'm as soon as i get home i'm enrolling in a gym and i'm climbing nice yep and you where do you climb at uh indoor i climb at focus climbing center in mesa okay it's a nice facility i've been climbing there close to since when they opened and uh yeah definitely would recommend checking it out if you ever wanted to what kind of uh what kind of walls do they have there so focus is just bouldering but okay. it's tall bouldering so it kind of it you can get a lot of movement in and it, you can give yourself a little scare too getting high up there and that's where is that horizontal as well like yeah have, it can be yeah, yeah it can be they have the lips and everything yeah they have a, a variety of walls it's pretty straightforward they have like one slab wall which means it's past vertical they have a couple that are vertical. They have a couple that are overhanging and some that bulge and some that have different shapes to them and uh, mix for some variety. It's cool. fun. So by past vertical, you mean backwards, like not slanted away from you, but slanted? Uh, so, um, yeah, I would say past vertical would be like past you okay. going away going from the you. other way. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's like a very, very, very steep hill. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do they have any where it's the reverse? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they have that going all the way to just pure overhung yeah. roof where you're just hanging on, literally upside down. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's it's cool. super cool. A lot, a lot of really inspiring people there. Now, do they have tightrope practicing there too? Because you do tightrope as well. That's something you can find at climbing gyms, but um, not at this particular one. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's called slacklining. Um, it's a piece of one inch wide piece of nylon or some other plastic like material. They have all kinds of super fibers these days that you can make these out of but um it's a one inch wide piece of webbing that you would string up between trees or um you know anywhere you can find points to anchor and Mm -hmm. that it won't go so low it'll touch the ground because it does have give to it it's more like a thin trampoline than a tightrope okay yeah it's not a tightrope it's not Mm -hmm. super tight like a wire yeah yeah you can tighten it quite a bit but um when you start getting higher and higher and higher it's more comfortable to walk on it as it's more yeah. slack. So um, you loosen the tension, and sometimes there's even no tension at all. It's just you clip one in- anchor, one anchor, and it's just, you know, it's suspended by just the anchor, and it's not tensioned at all. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was going to ask. Is it actually easier with the, the slack line because it's not as firm? So you're not, your balance is, you can, you can move your feet a little more to keep your balance. Yeah. You I'm tune guessing. in to the vibration of the line as you walk on it. Your body is absorbing the motion of the line. Really long ones put a lot of tension on you mm-hmm. and you, you can feel it move through your hips and shoulders and through out through your hands. So it's not like a tightrope where you would typically hold a, a long pole to keep yeah. your balance. Um, you, you move dynamically with the line. Cool. So uh, it gives you a real feeling of 
interaction and kind of fun and yeah do you do it barefoot i i do i prefer to but you definitely don't have to no so let's uh since we're talking about barefoot what like talk about some of the equipment you use for any of the stuff you do well um i try to keep things simple um i'm mostly like bouldering so i'll I'll drag a big pad with me on my back out to wherever i go some shoes and some chalk and that's about it a snack explain explain why you use the the big pad so in bouldering um there is no rope um you can also get pretty high up there so there comes a point where uh i mean almost any height you want something safer to land on than just the dirt or a lot of time the ground is rock where you're climbing on rocks yeah so um it can be pretty dangerous regardless cool Um, so having a pad means you just take the edge off that much yeah you have something to land on Mm -hmm. i'm gonna when i post the instagram post that this is gonna go live i'll i'll put some of the pictures if you don't mind oh not um, at all yeah what you do so people kind of get an idea what we're talking about okay Um, you have a lot of pictures representing on your your facebook page of tightroping and stuff like that yeah, it's, I mean, getting to spend time out in beautiful places and nature is uh, the most rewarding part of all of it to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've spent tons and tons of time out exploring Arizona, the backcountry that a lot of people don't get to see. So uh, that's the most rewarding part for me. I mean, e- even considering all that I get out of climbing and slacklining personally, uh, it's just the, the time in nature that I, I think yeah. I like the most. Do you like going out by yourself or do you like going out in groups? Yeah, I do like going out by myself, but... Uh, uh, it it's different. I mean, you get some kind of uh, feelings of peace, and mm-hmm. uh, there's something to be said about uh, being alone out in nature without any other distractions. But um, I typically am going out in groups because I have a lot of friends who are interested in the same things I am. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, who am I to turn down having fun yeah. out, out well, in the wilderness with my friends? It's nice surrounding yourself with you know like-minded individuals too. So yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of good people. So with that said, are you, do you like outdoor more than indoor? Yeah, I kind of look at it as uh, indoor is kind of like, uh, you know, just staying sharp. It's mm-hmm. kind of like practice, like when you're in a band, you know, it's it's practice. And then playing a show is like climbing outside. It's like, that's what it's all about. Yeah. This is why we climb inside. It's so we can climb outside. Yeah, you practice to do the real thing outdoors. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to enjoy about it. Uh, I would really recommend climbing to anybody. Makes you strong, makes you healthy. It's fun. Yeah. So kind of jumping off that, do you have, besides training indoors, do you have specific exercises you do, like body weight exercises or any any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, fingers and core are essential when you're climbing because you're holding a lot of body tension a lot of the time, and um, you're you're trying to hold on with the very tip of your toe and the very tip of your fingers. You need to be strong from the tip of your toe to the tip of your fingers. Mm-hmm. So um, you get a full body workout doing it every time. Climbing is, in a way, its own best workout. It's its own best training for climbing. But um, obviously, like, your body just can't take too much of it. So yeah. um, and, and there are parts that you can improve on that you don't typically use climbing. A lot of people train their fingers specifically. They'll hang from different shaped things that uh, improve finger strength. Mm-hmm. And um, that takes you pretty far when you're climbing. Yeah. Just that so, alone. So, like, I mean, I used to do, like, uh, doorway finger pull-ups, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, just weird, anything you can grab onto. Yeah, I think every climber's probably done that, <laughs> Yeah, too. you know, it's like, I don't know. 
Um, I used to climb when I was younger. I used to climb, mm-hmm. not to the extent that you do, but I used to get enough to have shoes and and do that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, in state parks. Oh, cool! Um, and we had in our high school gym, we actually actually had wood mounted wood climbing deals. <sighs> That's and, awesome! You know, all over the gym, and it would go even under the doorways. So you can, you know, you'd have to climb under the doorways to get to the other side of the, you know, to the other room. Mm-hmm. So I did a little bit when I was younger. I know we talked about this before, but I'd like to get my fat ass back in shape and get out there and, you know, do it again. Yeah, definitely. Climbing is the best. I mean, and if you can climb a ladder, you can rock climb. Yeah. There's, it, it doesn't have to be harder than that. Yeah, and as I long think, as you know how to use your full body, right? Yeah. And it, even if you don't, you'll learn, you know, Yeah. you know, go a couple times. Yeah. Did you end up taking Sean out? I know he mentioned something like that. I haven't taken him outside yet, but um, he has come to the gym with me, and uh, I think he enjoyed it. Yeah. He's into all that physical, physicality yeah. kind of. He, he's got an interesting perspective on that. Yeah. Hiking, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were like-minded for a while there, but then I, I fell off. <laughs> fell off the wagon. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you, you're super welcome to come climb anytime. Hey, I would actually like it. Cool. Um I think that would be cool. Yeah, be my guest. All right. So Literally, they have guest passes. You can be my guest. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, is there like a specific diet you kind of cling to or as, as far as lifestyle to keep yourself not bulked mm-hmm. for climbing? That's definitely uh, something you don't want to do. But, um, you know, I've met big, beefy, strong climbers. and uh, But typically, yeah, the lighter the better. So um, I... I I think just eating less in general uh, is probably the best approach. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to stray too much uh, from uh, anything that you like eating too much, um, as long as you're keeping in mind, you know, the balance between getting good fats and proteins and uh, eating your veggies and Fuel. whatnot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just just kind of keep the ratios in check, and um, you know, it's difficult for me to do. It's uh, it doesn't come easy to anybody, but uh, I definitely notice a big difference when I'm on top of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm not a vegetarian or anything like that though. Um, no. So yeah, no 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 specific lifestyle uh, of eating. Nothing crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a vegetarian either. I'm. I'd be more of a carnivore. I actually want to try a carnivore diet. I think I my roommate is uh, doing something kind of like yeah. that. I haven't seen him eat anything but meat so far. <laughs> well, I've always been that way. I've mm-hmm. been kind of a meat and potatoes guy, and then when I got married. Um, vegetables kind of came into the mix a little more mm-hmm. like i said there was a while there where i was really clean and did really well but then just with life stuff i fell out that's that's my vice is bad eating mm-hmm. um whenever yeah. i get stressed out or anxiety's bad i that vicious cycle of eating poorly i have a pretty hefty appetite a lot of the time so uh, i mean i'm thankful that climbing you know kind of keeps me in check yeah. So uh, especially when I'm really motivated to climb certain things, I, I'll, I'll really, uh, you know, tighten the tighten the straps on everything. <laughs> yeah. So we were kind of I had to pause there because I had to look into why my counter wasn't counting on the uh, the DAW recording software. But uh, I think we're good to go. But we were discussing how um, we have the ability to just pause because we're not on TV if we're not on YouTube or something right now. And uh, some of the other podcasts I've done, I've done live recordings. So I was explaining how, you know, I'll pause it. I'll go set up the mic, get set up to play, do all that stuff, and then record, you know, just live. And then after the fact, I'll go in and put 
uh, effects on the vocals or, you know, do editing like that, mix it better, make sure that the vocals are higher than the guitar, stuff like that. So what you've heard me do is pretty much live. Okay. So you um, should, that'd be cool to have guests over who play songs yeah, and stuff then. That's the plan. Um, I think not this week, but not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, uh, Gil from Ghost in the Will is going to come in. Cool. And he'll play a couple songs. Um, but that's the plan is just have all kinds of different, like yourself, you know, have you in, uh, have Sean in, have music friends, whether they're touring or local, come in and, you know, share their, their art, whatever they do. That's kind of the idea. Looking forward to hearing those. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I'm glad that somebody actually listens. <laughs> Oh, I enjoy them. Yeah, I've heard them all. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm glad you uh, you tuned in. Yeah, I'll follow along as long as you do it. All right. Cool. I appreciate it. You'll be that one listener. <laughs> Besides uh, the people back home. Oh, I'll spread the word. Cool. Thanks, man. Sure. Um, So with climbing and you guys being such a tight-knit community, do you are there any guys you look up to? Like, you know, I throw out the name Alex Honnold because that's what people probably know from that, that latest movie. Is there anybody out there that you can name? For people to kind of look into oh man uh i mean it's kind of tough because as far as like professional climbers go i don't follow it t- all that closely okay. um there are definitely some incredibly strong people out there in the world though that are really really mega impressive um in our local community too there's a lot of people that i look up to who uh there's not much name recognition but um definitely people who inspire me and that i look forward to seeing all the time who put a smile on my face and yeah who who just make me want to be more like them in some ways you know so it's more people that that are in your life it's not celebrity type yeah yeah i would say so um yeah, but the cool thing about the climbing community, too, is that you will often have the opportunity to meet your heroes, you know, even if it's someone that um, you would never in a million years expect to. But it happens, you know. Sometimes yeah. you'll just be out climbing somewhere, <laughs> and you'll just happen to be going to the same rock they are or something yeah. like that, you know. It happens frequently. So is there, like, a an opportunity, like, bmx or something to where there's actually competitions like indoor or outdoor competitions where those people would be yeah yeah um actually climbing just got itself into the olympics so oh, nice um yeah the 2020 olympics will have uh three disciplines of climbing in it for the first time ever what what are they like speed climbing yeah speed climbing is one um bouldering is another and uh lead climbing is the third oh nice so uh i think they have already more or less chosen the athletes who are going to represent the countries. But, um, yeah, that's something exciting happening in the climbing world in general. I think that'll expose a lot of people across the world to it. It's already grown immensely in the time I've been doing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think that movie that came out with Alex, that opened up a lot of people's eyes, too, like to free climbing. And, you know, they're like, that dude's crazy. Like, my hands are sweating right now just thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, mine, too. I mean, when I saw that movie, uh, it, it was so impressive. The things that guy does are just mind blowing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I can say 100%. Like, that's not the direction I want to go. No, you don't like free climbing. <laughs> uh, I don't think I would get enough out of it, or what people who do it seem to get out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would apply for me. I just, you know, anything can happen when you're free soloing. Uh, I know. I personally know the guy who trained me to walk high lines, uh, or or who gave me the opportunity to walk high lines with him. Um, he would frequently free solo on the high lines so he wouldn't tie in as he walked uh which like for for people who don't who can't picture this right now uh it's 
the slack line I was describing earlier suspended over a canyon. So you have just a massive exposure and drop under you, certain death if you fall. Um, and, and he would do that. Uh, I never saw it with my own eyes. I, I kind of told him, like, I don't want to see that. But yeah, uh, it's definitely uh, it's something people do. And I just wouldn't be too stoked if, uh, you know, something you who knows what were yeah. to happen to myself if I were doing it or or to anyone I know and love. Yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah, you have to. There's a. I guess a limit to what you're willing to kind of put yourself into a position definitely i mean you definitely want to make progress all the time but uh i think i personally would draw the line if i were to head in that direction i would probably draw the line there yeah no no risking my life is necessary beyond what i already do it's risky enough yeah it's it's risky enough injury and you know lines can fail Mm -hmm. holds can fail yeah it happens yeah and there you know it takes it takes a certain kind of individual to be able to do any type of rock climbing and, and free solo, especially uh, to be able to hold that, that adrenaline in check to where you're in your focus mm-hmm. to just focus on what's in front of you, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And that's why they do it is because they get put in this zone that mm-hmm. you just can't tap into it any other way. Yeah. It's impossible. Even if you do those exact things with the proper safety equipment, you know, that that safety equipment is going to save your butt if something were to happen when you're doing the opposite, even though, so you're doing in theory, the exact same activity, but that edge is taken off. Yeah. So performing while that edge is on you is, uh, I can't hardly even comprehend it. Yeah. So is it more of a, cause I've never done anything extensive. Is it more of less of an adrenaline thing because you are focused on what you're doing? It's actually, is it a thing to where you don't want adrenaline? You want to calm those nerves? Yeah, I think the goal is to eventually get there. Uh, you know, you can't help but react instinctively to the pressures of, uh, like when you're highlining, for example, the pressure of the exposure around you. There's nothing under you or to the sides of you or in front of you and behind you or above you besides a one-inch piece of webbing. And it doesn't feel quite right when you're out there. You know, you're just <laughs> like, this is insanity. But... Uh, you know, if you're confident in your ability to walk the lines, um, you can tap into that zone that you need to be in and actually perform the act of walking them. Um, so uh, it's it's con- kind of a controlled adrenaline in the beginning, but I think the goal is to get to a place where you just feel calm, focused, and mm-hmm. uh, almost zen-like. You get into a flow. That's so That's the goal. What are you focusing on when you're out there? Well... With my eyes, I'm focused on the anchor on the opposite end or a spot on the line that's uh, not too far away. But, um, you know, it, it helps to have something to zone in on with your eyes. Uh, and you also focus on uh, the movement of your hands, especially. You are kind of moving vibrations from the line out your body through your hands. Okay. Uh, so uh, for that's those of you that can't see, to. he's waving his hands to his side like almost up and down and i can imagine you know up over your head or whatever you need to the side to keep yourself balanced yeah you use your whole body but uh you know when you do get into that zone more and more and you feel the relaxation more and more and you feel the flow more and more it it reduces itself to just flitting motions in your wrists and hands and um it, it feels a lot more natural and 
there's some there's a beauty to it too i, I mean yeah. i consider it art- artistic in a way watching other people do it is like always so mind-blowing and inspiring wow that's cool i don't even know i don't even know if i could watch like in in person <laughs> like oh, i yeah. said my hands are sweating right now <laughs> just thinking about it yeah it's a tough uh it's a tough space to be i mean it, there's just something like alien about it in some ways like it, it almost seems impossible and uh but that's like what attracts me to climbing and and highlining is like it it, it kind of seems like it should be impossible but the impossible is is possible yeah. if you if you really work hard for it walking up to a climb that you've never done before that might be a little above your pay grade and putting in work for for years to get to the place where you can actually do that it, you are turning something that was once impossible into something possible that's a great way and to look it, at it it's just about pushing the, your limits as an individual and uh i mean some people are pushing limits for humanity in general mm-hmm. people like alex honnold yeah yeah definitely on a widespread more widespread uh platform yeah yeah and uh i think it's great too that uh these niche sports are getting a lot more exposure um there's a lot of risks involved as far as uh, people flocking out to climbing locations in the wilderness because that creates a lot of impact. Um, so that's something we need to work on as a community to uh, address as the sport grows. And it's going to, uh, particularly after this Olympics event, I'm sure. Do you mean as far as a negative impact, like people going out and not treating nature like they should? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, you're going to see more and more people just going out in general to unprotected wild areas. And uh, even just foot traffic alone is going to create a huge impact. Yeah. Um, so we need to learn uh, to interact with the environment responsibly as we move forward. Um, yeah, damage point. is being done all over the place. And, uh, you know, obviously that's not limited to climbing. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, climbing is a we, we consider ourselves stewards of the land a lot of the time. Yeah. So we introduce people how to use the wilderness responsibly and enjoy it to its fullest at the same time. Well, that's great. Yeah, I, I experienced that a little bit with going out and shooting. Um, you have idiots out there, you know, they're they're shooting bottles or they're shooting whatever, just trashing everything, and they leave their trash out there, not pick up their brass. You know, every time I would go out, I would take a trash bag with me, you know, a rake, and I would always leave with more than I brought out. It was that's was awesome. The goal, you know. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. A shame. It's uh, it's all of our responsibility. If we're gonna use the wilderness, if we're gonna be in it, we need to treat it with respect. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, let's see, where did I? So, as far as the lines themselves, do you guys run the lines yourself, or is that something that stays for the so, for the line walking? Yeah. Um. Well, you would uh, have the gear yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, usually the only thing that remains out in the wilderness is, uh, the anchor material, which climbers use bolts and hangers as anchors and they exist in walls all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and high lines are the same thing. They just use bolts. Sometimes they use the same bolts as climbing gear. Um, and, uh, that's what you would ordinarily use, or you can use natural anchors, uh, just like with a sport called trad climbing, uh, or, or an, a version of climbing called trad climbing, where you would plug gear as you go, um, cams and nuts, uh, mm-hmm. things that fit into crevices in the rock that you can then use to secure yourself with your rope. Um, so that creates no impact on the rock other than, you know, whatever it might scrape on, but, um, yeah. so it's you can wedging the tool in a crack that's already there instead of hammering something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a, a bolt would stay there forever. Um, 
cams and rigging uh, high lines naturally using span sets over rocks or whatever creates no environmental impact. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that's uh, an environmentally responsible way to do both of those things. Um, but, you know, the bolts exist. They're out there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. Dude, I've yeah. seen the movie Cliffhanger. I know they're <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't actually. Maybe no. I wouldn't be climbing if I did. <laughs> you would probably, uh, you would be sweating from how bad they represent the <laughs> community. <laughs> they didn't consult the experts. Who, no, well, who knew not. who the experts were? But uh, believe me, I'm no expert. Yeah, they were living out in the wild. They, they took liberties, mm -hmm. plenty of liberties. They tend to in action movies. <laughs> damn it, Stallone! It's damn entertaining though. <laughs> um, yeah. So, is there anything else with the the climbing stuff that you can? I mean, besides the impact it has on your life, you know, you kind of explained how you know, how it makes you feel, the the respect you have for your, you know, people that do what you do. And I actually have respect for those individuals as well. Um, is there anything else you want to kind of hit on with the, the climbing aspect? I mean, all I could express is that uh, it's really changed my life for the better in every way. And uh, I'm thankful to have something like that in my life. And um, I would encourage anybody to try and find something that, uh, it inspires them the way climbing inspires me and climbing would likely inspire most people if they were to uh, get into it. Um, yeah. So that's all I can say is just, uh, it's just a pure labor of love. I, I get nothing but joy out of it. Even when I'm frustrated and I'm falling <laughs> and uh, you know, I want to punch the rock or I want to cry or whatever. Uh, it's all so worth it. Yeah. It makes you grow. Mm -hmm, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Competition with yourself even. You know. Yeah, I mean, I consider it almost a martial art in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, it's you know, it's a pacifist martial art. You're just wrestling a rock, yeah, uh, and you yeah. and you really have to tune in and flow and move with grace and strength and precision. And uh, so, so to me, that's what it that's what it is for me. Yeah, that's cool. That's a great way to look at it. Um, do you want to give a shout out to your your gym uh, again? Oh sure, yeah, Focus Climbing Center. Focus Climbing Center. Yeah. Now I don't know if you're still doing it, but you used to make the actual holds the molds yeah i worked for a company called uh, thrive climbing a friend of mine named ryan owns and operates he, he's done everything forever for that company uh and he's busted his ass and really done something cool and i was uh lucky enough to lend a hand while he was making some really interesting uh developments um making these things that he called polyfiber volumes which um are uh, fiberglass volumes which normally would be utilized to extend the rock wall in a gym um, mm -hmm. but these ones are hold shaped so essentially you're just making gigantic holds like the small ones that they would bolt into the wall yeah um, but they're so voluminous that uh, they they make very uh, eye-catching climbs yeah, when they instead set of them. a flat surface yeah it's got some shape and yeah. some uh, all kinds of different shapes. Some are sharp and some are smooth. Some are, some are swooping and some are squares. And it's just, you can go crazy. You can literally make whatever you want. Yeah, anything. That's cool. So, sorry, I'm not getting off the topic because I still have more questions. Um, with uh, equipment, do you have like a bunch of different types of shoes you use? Yeah, you would, uh, you would probably have a, a couple that you could choose between depending on the terrain you're climbing on mm -hmm. um some are soft and uh more like socks in a way and some are sharp and have a defined downturn that 
force your toes into the shape of like a, a claw almost that you it puts a lot of power in the big toe so you can generate more off just that um, and that's good for something like an overhang where you're trying to step on things that you might not have anything but pure friction to be pushing off of so it lets you get some power in there yeah um, and then you know the opposite if you're climbing on a, a slab wall which like I said earlier that's the past vertical one um, you want something that you can like smush your foot onto and and just it'll stay there mm -hmm. so you want something soft and supple that that'll just mush onto the wall uh, so yeah there are definitely different styles of shoes I think that's one of the most interesting uh, pieces of equipment a climber has because uh, it's essentially your only tool besides your hands that you're using so yeah. uh, you got to choose the right shoe so what happens when you have large climbs that have different terrains is there like a, a medium shoe that has a little bit of both yeah yeah you just got to pick i mean especially if you're going to be on the wall all day pick something comfortable mm -hmm. something durable something that's probably got a lot of a lot of rubber on it that you can just like jam your foot like if you're climbing all day long you want something comfortable and that's uh, yeah. not going to hurt your feet are you up long enough to where you actually have to take a snack sometimes, sometimes. yeah definitely uh, a lot of multi-pitch routes take all day uh, yeah. you know, and sometimes people will be climbing on, uh, big walls like El Cap and Yosemite. They'll be up there for days and days. Uh, I don't know if you saw the other, uh, Yosemite movie that came out or El Cap movie that came out around the same time called Don Wall. That was, uh, with Tommy Caldwell and, uh, Kevin Jorgensen. They were two climbers who, uh, scaled the most difficult face of El Capitan. Mm -hmm. And that movie came out right around the same time as uh, the Alex Honnold one. Um, Is that where they were camping, like? in the the hanging sleeping bags mm -hmm. yeah yeah that That's was crazy. a pretty impressive so i mean between the two i think i preferred uh that movie the dawn wall uh because those guys were uh that was a, a project that existed for a decade that mm -hmm. tommy caldwell had been working on and That's to crazy. see it actually happen you know like that's just it's a dream like these people just <laughs> they start with a dream and they work on something weird and obscure for a long time and then it blooms you know yeah a, a movie comes out about it I, they're winning golden globes or or oscars or something for them now i mean for a documentary yeah yeah it's crazy yeah Any, anything else with climbing i do you do you have like your own uh satchel of i'm gonna call it a satchel of tools like do you have all the the grips and all the anchors and all that stuff or do you use somebody else's stuff yeah, so if I like if I go sport climb, I'll I'll bring my my quick draws, which are the things that you clip into the bolts that are already up on the wall, and a rope and uh, some stuff like a, a chalk bag that you can clip to yourself, and uh, so that way you can bring chalk up with you as you climb. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really all you need for the majority of climbing out there. Uh, between bouldering and sport climbing, uh, you don't need much gear at all. Um, so it, it's really only if you want to get more into like alpine trad stuff where uh, it's unprotected and it's uh more a lot of times it's more difficult to access to um so you would need to really some people have gear closets that are just like bling to the max yeah. just row after row of cool gear and um you know I, i'm thankful in a lot of ways that i kept have kept it so simple um i hardly have any gear but um i've definitely used and loved it so uh yeah maybe one day we'll get to the the closet <laughs> full of bling so when they're when they're doing like the clamp-ins does that stuff stay there no, they take that out with them. So one person will climb up with the rope and gear. They'll plug the gear. They'll clip their rope. And then they'll get to a point where they can anchor directly into the wall or okay. something else. 
um, and then their partner will follow them up, take the gear out, and uh, at that point, if they were to fall, they would just be caught by the person above them who's mm -hmm. anchored in anchored and in. can safely carry their weight. Yeah. Uh, and, and they have the rope on a device just like you would if someone was climbing up from the ground up. Yeah. So um, they, they put place the gear and then someone else cleans it. Okay. All right. So I know I keep saying anything else, but <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to kind of hit on? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, as passionate as I am, I love climbing. It's my favorite thing in the entire world. Um, but yeah, we can, we can move toward, uh, into whatever. Okay. Um, so you mentioned the, uh, the Colorado trip. Was that, am I mistaken? You, you started, uh, a mountain range climb. Was that in California? Oh, um, it was years ago. Uh, so I did hike a portion of the, uh, Pacific Crest Trail in the Pacific Northwest. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I flew out to Portland and I hiked on the Pacific Crest Trail, which goes from Mexico to Canada, but I hiked it from, uh, the point where it intersects Mount Hood in Oregon up to, uh, just about where it gets to Mount Rainier in Washington. So that was 200 miles and, uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, that's my favorite place to go play if I ever have some time Pacific Northwest. Cool. All right, so when you did that, is that the one you got sick and you had the, the finish early? That one, actually, uh, my leg was not quite cooperating. Uh, almost right away after I started hiking, uh, I started feeling pain in my uh, my thigh, my left thigh, and it, it went into the knee a little bit. So I was having a lot of trouble uh, putting pressure on it. Um, but I did continue to hike for a while. Once I got to the first point where I could go back into town uh i did and a friend of mine lived in portland at the time so i kind of had a home base there yeah so i hiked 50 miles um that took me just two days or i think two or three days the second day i hurt my leg the third one is when i got to the uh road that went back into portland um and uh stayed with my friend for a couple of days stayed off the leg and uh then he gave me a ride back to that same point where i picked up in a couple of days um, and, and even though the leg wasn't quite as good as it should have been by then, uh, I just got a stick that seemed to prop me up pretty well and hiked for a while. And eventually, uh, eventually I got to where I wanted to go. It was a really good time. I, I really enjoyed that. I really love spending time up in the Pacific Northwest, but next time I'm getting trekking poles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not, <laughs> not going to let that happen again. I was going to say, is that what did it? Yeah, definitely. Not having trekking poles, uh. Yeah, just advice to anyone trying to go hike a long-distance trail. Bring them. Okay. Is that, I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I think it was Reese Witherspoon where she did. Is that the same? Mm-hmm. Wild. Yeah. I yeah. think that's what it's called, right? Yeah, Wild. I haven't seen it, but yeah, that's the trail, the Pacific uh, the Pacific Crest Trail. Okay, so if anybody out there is listening and they want to know kind of what you're talking about, they can watch that movie and see. Yeah, there's a few trails that cross the country and like, to me, that's just such an incredible thing that people are out there doing that all the time, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in season. Yeah. Um, so since we're on kind of the, the traveling stuff, so you did a, I don't know what to what to call it, a walkabout out in Europe. Kind of, yeah. I, I, I was at the time employed by the post office, and uh, we had just gotten informed that we would be laid off uh, in the following months, uh, they gave us a time frame. I think it was like five or six months. And, uh, I, so I knew I wouldn't have a job at that time. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I'm saving money. I, I would like to see the world a little bit. So I was, I started playing around with ideas of where I wanted to go. And, uh, 
I eventually settled on Europe and uh, yeah, I just flew out there with a backpack. I, I didn't really have much of a plan. It was kind of just uh, my way of like expressing my desire to get out there and just dive into something weird and alien. And uh, I ended up settling on going to Ireland because uh, <laughs> the other one that I wanted to go to was Japan. And I just thought that might be a little too alien and a little, mm. little too hard. You know, at least they speak English uh, yeah. <laughs> and all the signs are in English in, in Europe. So, uh, or, or for the most part they are, but um, in, anyway, I felt like there wouldn't be quite uh, a difficulty as far as like a learning curve going to Europe. So that's why I settled on that. Um, but yeah, I, all I did was, uh, really just do your typical kind of touristy thing. I, I went to, uh, museums and, uh, went to the pubs and went to, uh, see whatever unique architecture I could find. And, uh, that was about it. You know, I didn't have any real purpose behind it. Just, yeah. just a desire to, to get out there. Did you stay in like hostels? Yep. Uh, which was a really cool experience too. And, um, you know, I think staying in hostels can be an intimidating thing for some people because you're sharing rooms with people. Yeah. Um, but I, I've honestly stayed in, in that experience, opened my eyes to uh, the reality of like being able to stay cheaply more or less anywhere you want. Yeah, for sure. And I did uh, that one time we went out to uh, Comic-Con and the only place that was left was uh, a hostel to stay in. Everything else was booked. And uh, it, we weren't I, we weren't lucky enough to have our own room. It was like I was in a, a room, bunk beds with like eight other bunk beds with people from europe all over the place yep that's what and it's uh, like you know you just hang a hang a blanket over <laughs> over the <laughs> side so you have a little bit of privacy yeah uh, i i find that an enjoyable experience yeah. in itself uh definitely meet some interesting folks in in hostels um and on the trail there tend to be hostels in the towns along trails because oh. uh they you know it's it's business they cater to hikers yeah uh, they'll they'll have hiking gear hiking food hiking uh, places for them to stay like hostels uh, that you might not find in other towns that aren't along trails like that. Did you ever have to stay in like one of the cabins or anything that are along the trails? No, um, I actually didn't run into any on any of the trails where I was, but I know they're a little more common on the Appalachian Trail, which is the one in the east. Uh, I, I can't remember where the terminus is. I think it's like Vermont and uh, Georgia or something. But hmm. um, anyway, that's a really interesting trail, and uh, that's one of the oldest ones too. So it's got a long history of uh, people hiking since the earliest days of yeah. people settling. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you you got to see Stonehenge, right? No, I didn't no? go to uh, I didn't go to Britain at all. I didn't go to the UK. Uh, I went to just uh, Ireland. I went to. Uh, uh, the Netherlands as well. Um, so those are the only two places that I ended up okay. going. I thought it was, for some reason, I thought it was broader. No, it was a pretty pretty limit. I spent one week in Ireland, one week in uh, all over uh, Holland, which was really cool, really beautiful. That place has some, it's a great contrast. Like when you go from somewhere like Amsterdam to uh, like Rotterdam, Rotterdam has been rebuilt since it was bombed in World War II. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like glass buildings and kind of more more modern. more american looking skyscrapers and stuff like that and then amsterdam is you know this charming little ancient feeling place with canals and flowers everywhere and yeah so it was really neat i, I really enjoyed that and i would really like to go back to especially now that i have a defining purpose to travel climbing yeah. uh, I, I, you know the first thing i think of anytime i'm going anywhere is like what's the climbing like and they that's I'm guessing all over the world there's 
you know, yeah. climbing. So Europe is a really good destination for bouldering because it has uh, a place called Fontainebleau, which is considered, it's in France, it's considered one of the best bouldering areas in the entire world. Uh, we're lucky enough to have a few uh, also climbing meccas here. So mm-hmm. uh, I kind of get stuck here in the Southwest, but um, definitely would like to travel and see more. Yeah. Do you have any bad stories about traveling over to Europe? No, I mean, actually, I, I I think I lucked out quite a bit because it could have been pretty bad. But I did, I did run into uh like, kind of a cartoonish assortment of <laughs> uh like, different characters. Uh, there was this down by the river, uh, the the Liffey in uh, Dublin. Uh, I, I was just got drank way too much at a pub and I was stumbling back to the hostel and like just asking strangers for direction. And I ran into by the Liffey river, which I just stopped in. I just, I had, I stumbled earlier and hit my face on a curb and my nose was bleeding. So I took a handful of water from the river and wiped my face with it. But, um, I, it was the middle of the night. I got approached by this, woman just head to toe in denim and <laughs> she was a she was a prostitute oh no and she was soliciting her services to me and uh so that was one which i did not take her upon but um, <laughs> did not partake did not partake that night um <laughs> but that was interesting i mean i was just like that i i don't even believe it myself uh it was pretty good and then uh yeah there was this uh kind of like shifty guy who was like I just was walking down uh, a little street one day and a shifty guy comes along and he's just like very, very friendly and like he knows everybody. And so I, I didn't know him or anything about him. I was just like, whatever, like, yeah, you can, we'll walk. And then um, he was like, he's like, you, I told him that I smoked herb here at home mm-hmm. and he's like, I can get you herb. He's like, he's like, let me go to my sister's and get you herb. So I gave him 20 euros to get me herb and he just like disappeared. I was like, oh, he's just like swindling people. Yeah. So uh, I met the shifty guy, the swindler, um, which like I've never run into people like that here. It's yeah, it's only there. Yeah, o- no. only only on the your shady people. Only on your drunken adventures in Europe. Yeah, <laughs> that just reminds me of that movie. What it was a beer fest or? Oh yeah, beer I love fest. that movie. There's two. There's the Artie Lang one, and then there's the one with the guys from. Broken oh, Broken Lizard. Lizard. Yeah. yeah, that one's hilarious. Yeah. I definitely like that one. I was lucky enough to meet those guys one day when they were promoting Beer Fest. Yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Oh, I've seen them do a comic stand-up, too, here oh, at nice. the Tempe Improv. That was fun. Like the whole group? No, it was just, uh, oh, man, I only know their Super Troopers names, but it was uh, <laughs> it was Farva and uh, Rabbit, I think. Yeah? Yeah, it was, that was pretty good, though. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah catch those guys if you can. Yeah, I'd like to. I don't get out to as many comedy shows as I used to. Uh, I think the last one I saw was um, like the Comedy Fest that had Brian Callen and Big J and then Rogan before that. Cool. I used to go all the time. I would like to go more. I just, uh, it's not something I think about going to do a lot. Yeah. Uh, Definitely enjoyed it when I have though. Um, Okay. So do you want to dive into psychedelics a little bit since you were talking about the herb? Oh, sure. Um, Yeah. So, uh, I mean, over the last couple of years, I've started working with different plant medicines that come from South America. And uh, it's just traditional um, medicine that is used in more ceremonial type settings. 
um, which includes ayahuasca. Um, there's different types of tobaccos that they use. There's a powder that people would shoot up their nose, and it's called hape or rape. Mm -hmm. And um, it's used to clear your third eye and bring about um, a visionary state. Like combined with ayahuasca, it's meant to enhance and uh, broaden your experience. So uh, I, I've been working with both of those. Um, I've also uh been working with um well i've been working with herb for a while too but uh that's something i think a lot of people <laughs> do uh definitely plant medicine though and yeah. uh, definitely has its own uses and, it, and like to me all of these should be used uh more as uh, y you can use them rec recreationally sure but um, they should be used more as tools whereby you can uh find appropriate times where um, you would want to access whatever these plants are offering because they're living creatures just like us and they mm -hmm. offer their perspectives to us when we consume them and when we make them a part of our bodies. Um, so uh, I, I've had a really good time exploring that and yeah. um, it, I, and it's improved my my well-being and uh, just my life in general in so many ways. So I, I would highly recommend uh, to anyone who's interested, uh, it's valuable to explore um, and I think most people would get a lot out of it, especially considering that it's something that um, is not typically, uh, it's kind of taboo in our culture, but um, the tides are changing now where, mm -hmm. um, you know, universities are studying them and whatnot. Yeah. So ayahuasca is, that's DMT, right? The, yeah. It's the, a tea that contains DMT yeah. as well as uh, uh, some other uh, chemicals that uh, operate similarly. Okay. And that's more of a shorter trip, right? It usually is, but um, the way that this tea works, the the synergy between uh, the two plants that they use to make the tea, one is an MAOI inhibitor, which uh, ordinarily your body would, uh, when you consume DMT orally, uh, would dismantle that before it had any psychedelic effect. Um, so the, I don't know how these South American uh, <laughs> shamans figured it out, but, uh, well, actually they claim that the plants told them, so... Yeah. Um, they combine these two specific plants and it creates this really powerful tea. Um, and just the way the chemicals interact, uh, creates an experience that lasts typically, uh, four to eight hours. Mm -hmm. So it extends the duration and makes it kind of similar to something like an acid trip or, or a mushroom, a psilocybin trip in terms of its length and, yeah. uh, intensity is similar in some ways too. Okay. So... And it's DMT isn't legal here, right? No, uh, but plant medicines, when used uh, ceremonially, uh, are protected by federally. So okay, um, they're yeah the the chemical components themselves, uh, if you were to manufacture them, definitely illegal. Illegal, uh, but yeah, um, but traditionally uh, for for uh, ceremonial use, yeah. uh, you can uh, there's religious protections. So how do they? It's plant derived. So how do they? get that up here um well uh, as far as i know people just bring it with them when they go travel there they travel um, it's legal uh, to bring across state lines yeah it, it's legal to bring the plant matter yeah nice mm -hmm. yeah i've never i've never even smoked pot i've never done any type of psychedelics or, or any type of the closest i've come is cbd mm -hmm. um, well, i'm glad to hear that it's had such a positive benefit for you yeah and i'm kind of bummed because i stopped uh i stopped taking it because I'm jobless and I don't, 
I don't want to be the one time I fail a drug test for something I don't do. Sure. I've never done. It's just my luck. I would fail because there's 0.1% of oh, THC, <laughs> THC does in there. Through, you know huh? what I mean? Sure. So I'm, I'm kind of waiting until I get a full-time job and I pass all the drug tests before I get back on it. And yeah. I've noticed the difference being off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that anxiety is still there. The inflammation and all that stuff is back. Wow. I, that's awesome. I mean, in some ways that's awesome that you've had an experience where you can see the definition. So clearly mm-hmm. the contrast between when you are and aren't taking it. Yep. Um, obviously like, I hope that you can get your, the medicine that works for you again, right away. Everyone yeah. deserves it and needs it. Yeah. I'd like to actually take a, a notch up and do, you know, 19 to one or 18 to two, whatever THC. Mm-hmm. Cause I know that medically there's a, a chemically, there's a, a better reaction if you have do have thc with the cbd that makes sense yeah the Um, plant creates them together the plant knows what it's doing yeah Yeah. exactly um so you mentioned uh ayahuasca so you've actually partaken in ceremonies yeah i sit i sit fairly regularly oh regularly so you do it on the reg yeah last couple of years um uh yeah just kind of sporadically but um Consistently, I mean, consi- compared to, uh, you know, the average person who might be looking to explore it. Yeah, and so. you, you remember the experience. When oh, yeah, you're... definitely. I mean, you are, uh, you're, you can be very coherent, and, and you are able to perceive and, and, and digest kind of everything that you see and experience. And um, there's like a, a small level of sobriety with it that allows you to kind of like just be inspired and and blown away or whatever is happening you know some sometimes it's terrifying but um it's a it's an intelligent plant that communicates with you when you consume it so um you know when it when it shares your body with you um it's kind of penetrating and poking and prodding it's kind of like a doctor you know uh it's a medicine and and a doctor in one and uh it'll communicate with you it'll say like this is off this is off uh, this is something that you need to address uh, spiritually in order to to continue to move in the direction that you want to, um, and and yeah, I, I've seen it positively impact the lives of many 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 people. You pretty much do it on the reg. That's that's surprising. Um, do they have like the drums and everything? Like do you? It's full blown. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's pretty cool actually. Uh, they bring songs up from the jungle uh, that they sing in ceremony, but also. Uh, there are musicians who bring their own stuff to the table. Uh, and yeah, I mean, ceremony is in part a celebration. So we, we have our own little, little concerts that, that, you know, it's, it's not too much different than being at a show or something, but, Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, it's like, it's a sacred circle uh, that people come to, to heal. And, uh, we provide a sacred space whereby people can do that. And, uh, music's all part of that. So it's just, you don't have like a shaman that comes in. You, it's just you guys doing it together. Yeah, we do. Uh, so there, there is someone who you, I guess you could say he's a shaman, but, um, he's more just someone who wants to introduce people to the medicine and, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's there if you need someone to talk to about your experience or during your experience, if there's anything you need. Um, but I, I think he would prefer not to be called a shaman more, more yeah, just a facilitator. A guide. Yeah. Someone who, who provides, Yeah. That's about it. And that person doesn't partake. Oh, yeah. They do? Oh, yeah. Everybody okay. does. Yeah. It's just, uh, it, it opens the heart and it allows people to connect heart to heart. And, uh, you know, that's a, in a way that's completing the circle. Everyone partakes. What does it taste like? 
bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I mean, I've noticed actually as time's gone on, it's like you, cause you, are, you know, what's coming more. So it's like your body's kind of like, wah, wah, wah. but, uh, yeah, you get it down. Oh, you actually get like a gag reflex. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely. Some people they'll they'll take a dose and they'll just immediately vomit. Yuck. Yeah, oh. uh, it it does not taste great. I mean, I, I wish I could say that about it, but they can't, can't put some sweetener in there. They can't. <laughs> <laughs> some honey, who something. knows if anyone's tried? But uh, yeah, I think uh, honey might actually work. But yeah. Um, yeah, because we'll 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 take a little bite of an orange, or we'll take a little spoon of honey, or something to to kind of get that flavor out if you want yeah. to. Um, so yeah, maybe you could make a little. It's a tea, right? It's probably better as a to do as a chaser though, because I don't think there's anything that's gonna overpower the taste. Yeah, of that. that that's a that's <laughs> a that pungent bad. drink. Yeah, <laughs> it's like drinking black tar heroin. Uh, sometimes I uh, sometimes I I kind of like taste it randomly when I'm out doing stuff, or I'll, or I'll smell smells that I smell. Yeah, you know we're always burning sage and palo santo and different herbs that uh, you know have unique smells that you don't really run into all that often. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it kind of just like, it puts you back in ceremony there for a second. Interesting. Yeah. I talked about that before on one of the other podcasts, how music or certain things just take you back to a moment where you smell, you can taste, yeah. you can smell a moment, taste a moment. That sensory memory yeah, is it's like you're in it's it. It's really incredible. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating how the body works like that. Yeah. The body's crazy. I mean, all the things it, like someone that's pregnant, all the stuff that happens, to to the you know the woman's body to prepare for the pregnancy and healing and all yeah. that it's crazy yeah it's really hard to wrap your head around yeah I mean I've I'm a lot more in tune with my body these days than I ever was when I was younger thanks to all the climbing and whatnot mm-hmm. so um I, I mean I've definitely uh kind of t- been able to tune in with just how miraculous like like for example healing like you said can be um you can go from being totally disabled by a broken bone or something to hundred mm-hmm. percent, you know, yeah. it doesn't take long. Yeah, I know from martial arts, um, you know, studying martial arts and having herbs, having certain medicines to help heal, mm-hmm. you know, broken bones. I've had broken pinkies and oh, people use herbs for the bones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. To wrap, uh, so much so that, you know, I had like the herb underneath the skin like it literally penetrated the skin, and you can see. What's wow! In there. I, I could show you. I have like bruise medicine. Okay. That is you, you is put that on. like an? Is that like a Chinese medicine thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chinese yeah. herbal medicine. Yeah, the Chinese have been doing uh, plant medicines forever. Yeah, my teacher. Uh, that was one of his specialties. Um, people from all over uh, would get his concoctions, but like he would show me some weird, like illegal stuff that he would bring in from San Francisco. Hmm. You know, like certain type seahorse you know just certain bear claws just, oh okay like they get pretty exotic but he's right. like none of this stuff works but he's like traditionally you throw it in there mm-hmm. but he's like it's this plant it's this herb it's this tree it's this you know twig this leaf this is what the active component that helps whatever it is you're trying to heal yeah that's so interesting and uh actually i was uh seeing an acupuncturist for a little while and she gave me uh a, an a sub, I don't know what it was, but it was, uh, you know, some kind of plant extract that she told mm-hmm. me to put on my shoulder because my shoulder was hurting. And uh, it was amazing. It yeah. was just awesome. The stuff actually works. I mean, there's different kinds. Um, I think I have two or three. There's an allergic 
like if you're actually allergic to it, like if it gives you hives or whatever, there's a version that is less allergenic. Mm. Um, there's the good stuff, which I call the good stuff, and it smells like uh, waffles. Oh, cool. Um, with the, you know, the syrup, because it's uh, Seagram 7 is the main oh, liquid. Okay. And then with all the herbs in it, it picks up the smell. Gotcha. So it's I'll like an alcohol you. extraction of yeah, the... Okay, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's and what it, that stuff was that I had. And the longer it sits, the more potent it gets. Mm-hmm. And then I have some other stuff that's made from, uh, is it African bird eye seed or something? It's it's more mm. like a spicy, it, it creates heat. It's almost like you have a, a heat pad on you when you apply it to a muscle. Yeah. So like if you have a sore muscle in your back or whatever, you apply that and it, and it heats up. You can feel it like... So that's a chili. The bird's eye chili I know is a chili. Yeah. Okay. That's probably so it's there. It it's they're actually using a chili. Yeah. You rub there's on yourself. a bunch of different stuff in there. There's like cinnamon. There's stuff yeah. that spicy stuff. Yeah, that brings out the heat and it's really it's really and it, you can feel it just gets warmer and warmer and warmer until yeah. it finally gets to that peak, but it really does help loosen up the muscles. Yeah. It's I, interesting. I feel so lucky to have had the opportunity to work with plant medicines. I just find it all so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think it's neat that people are kind of uh a little more open and uh, yeah. g- getting a little more uh, of the of the perspective that like this is something that has been used throughout all of human history and yeah um you know there's benefit plenty of it yeah so i know it's a personal thing but is, is there any experience you've had that you can talk about like that you've pulled from a session uh well my first one was one of the more powerful ones i've ever had and that was my you know my introduction to the medicine mm-hmm. um and i had a very what I can only describe as powerfully spiritual experience um, where, you know, I don't know if it was something to do with the land that we were on. And I, you know, I mean, obviously I'll tell the story and it does, but it does have something to do with that. But um, being here uh, in the American Southwest, there's a really long history of native American mm-hmm. um, inhabitant. And um, when I was sitting in that ceremony, I had a vision of Native American men who started communicating with me and uh, they they talked about things that I would only be able to describe as a, a spiritual nature um, hmm. and they, they kind of gave me uh, the sense that they were, uh, you know, spirit guides in a way and that they would be with me as I lived my life. Uh, and I think they're, you know, they're here as a part of the land, you know, their, mm-hmm. their spirits are connected to the land because they lived here for so long. Um, and I think that's not uncommon for people to experience that in ceremony. They connect with the land and the land reveals its spirit to them. And, wow. uh, yeah, really powerfully beautiful. Um, yeah, I could get into more detail, but, uh, I think, uh, everyone should just it's experience a it. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a personal thing. So have, have you, uh you've dealt with psilocybin too right yeah pretty regularly that's one of the first plant medicines that i was ever introduced to i think you could probably say that for a lot of people Mm -hmm. uh, or at least one of the first psychedelics a lot of people are exposed to uh one of the more common ones and also one of the more powerful ones very very powerful stuff i've had some experiences on mushrooms that were just whoa (laughs) mind-blowing but um always very uh enlightening and um Another thing that I would recommend, uh, if if you have the inclination for uh, to to go ahead and uh, experiment and experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you can grow a lot as an individual. 
Yeah, that's kind of what attracted me to the idea of, uh, of you know, toying with it a little bit. Um, I still think one day I'll probably, I'll probably partake, but I haven't done it yet. So yeah, I mean, all in time for everybody. There's no <clears throat> yeah. rush. It's. You I know you mentioned microdosing, which yeah. is less. Yeah. Psychotro- uh, you know, psychoactive. Yeah, so microdosing is something I think that's becoming a lot more common. Uh, mm-hmm. You meet, I mean, I know plenty of people personally who do it, um, and I do it sometimes myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you would just take a really small portion, you know, a fraction of what would ordinarily be a psychedelic dose, but uh, you just do that for its mood-enhancing effect or um, its ability to help promote uh, uh, uh kind of like a, a a mild very mild like a psychedelic waking state where you mm-hmm. you just go about your day but maybe your intuition's just that much sharper or yeah you're sharper yeah yeah exactly yeah, i know people in uh silicon valley they're they're into microdosing a lot that makes sense it's helping them yeah it definitely lends itself to creativity and uh problem solving and gives you kind of uh, an outside the box interpretation to things that you might uh, you know you might be staring at something all day every day and then you take a psychedelic and look at it and all of a sudden it's a to makes sense to you in a totally different way yeah and that's one of the cooler things about psychedelics is their ability to just give people that perspective you know uh it's almost like you know you dunk your head underwater and then you pull your head out like two different worlds you know Mm -hmm. uh lifting of a veil so to speak so uh, you know that's what they do so do you do is there like a cycle you're doing with the the microdose yeah, so uh, you would typically do a couple days on and then a couple days off, uh, maybe three to five days on and then that many days off or whatever you're comfortable with. And yeah. then the dosage is similar where you would take, you'd probably start with the smallest possible, which I would say like for a microdose would be a tenth of a gram. And you could take more than that if you want to up to, uh, I'd say like two grams can produce a pretty powerful psychedelic experience. So up to a gram would, you know, you could still do your you know, live your life as you normally would, mm-hmm. um, and not have the, uh, need to maybe like lay in bed to process or whatever yeah. you might need to do if you were having a psychedelic experience. So microdosing is really cool. And, uh, another thing that I think we would, uh, really benefit from as a whole, if more people did. Now, is this something that would show up on a drug test? I don't know. That's a because good question. It's a natural, well, obviously marijuana does. Oh, so like THC. the mushrooms, the psilocybin? That I don't know, and I don't think so, though. As far as I know, the body, uh, it uh, metabolizes DMT and psilocybin, which is really similar to DMT, very, very quickly. Well, we have DMT in our bodies. Yeah. So and that's what a lot of people think of when you, that's basically you're experiencing death. Because when you die, your body generates a lot of DMT. Yeah. And that's where when some people that are into psychedelics, they think that when you die, or when you're partaking in psychedelics that's actually you're seeing beyond Mm -hmm. you're seeing you know where you're gonna be yeah you know your life outside of this shell yeah so uh dmt separates consciousness from the body so Mm -hmm. yeah uh i i mean i can only imagine that death is something very similar to that yeah um you know separation from the body but uh people often describe experiences um that are very in the body sometimes i mean there's even speculation that people uh dive into like microbial realms and they can see microbes and like that's what the psychedelic Mm -hmm. experience is for them and i think that's definitely a possibility uh so you can go inward you can go outward 
um, it, it's just, you know, totally different and, and wild every time. That's what I was going to get to next. So is it, it's, it has to be a different experience every time. So what's the difference between an ayahuasca experience and a, and a psilocybin experience? Oh, it's hard to, it's hard to really draw a line, but, um, because there's a lot of similarities, but, um, obviously like things that things like visions, uh, like even, even random shapes and colors and stuff are, they have a distinct character under the influence of each of them. So I, I feel like I'll see more spirals and fractals on mushrooms, whereas on ayahuasca, I'll see more kind of like planty looking things and, uh, even even insects and uh, creatures that don't really exist, but you know you can envision them pretty easily. More nature. Yeah, I mean, e- even to the point where like it's not this like vibrant psychedelic experience in terms of like crazy colors and whatnot, but like I've seen animals that are just clearly not real animals. It's like they're ret- potential animals, like like zebra dogs and stuff, like just weird stuff like that. And that's not anything I've ever experienced on mushrooms. So. You know, there is some somewhere in there. There's a dividing line, but I, I can't say I can put my finger on it. Just that the character is very different and yeah. uh, worth experiencing both of them. If if one were to, you know, have the inclination. Have you ever done a hero's dose? No, I haven't. No, not yet. Uh, I, I guess I'll leave the door open for that. But <laughs> um, it hasn't been any. You know, kind of like free soloing. It's just another thing that I'm like. Uh, I I don't have a particularly strong urge to to dive into it, but. I, the opportunity may very well come and I may be in a place where I decide that that's what I want to do. Give it so, a shot. Yeah. Have you ever done any of these things? I guess psilocybin mushrooms would be the, the tool to do this on, but uh, combined with like a float tank? No, but that's actually something I have wanted to do for a little while. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend about it the other day. I think that would be pretty incredible. I would start with a microdose, though. I wouldn't want to go too crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, definitely high on the list of things that I'd like to try. Yeah, there's. I'm there. It's yeah. just the, you know kind of jumping over the edge to sure. to try it. There's no rush. I mean, you just yeah. you know, take whatever steps I'm you need to. What I'm gonna find. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's understandable. I mean, that's just the nature of these medicines. Like they're revealing. Yeah. Um. You know, but. I think everyone comes to a, a place in life where they decide, you know, it's, it's hard work and it's going to be, it could be messy, but uh, it's worth it. So, yeah. and I've seen that in people who come to ceremony all the time. Um, they're different people, you know, months later when you see them, uh, totally different people for the better. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they feel, they seem more like the people that they want to be. Yeah. And it, you know what? I, I hear the same thing from other people that I know that have experienced these, you know, tools to help you grow inward mm-hmm. um, to kind of get that out yeah to an outward state yeah. so and it, it's cool that you multiple people have the same experiences mm-hmm. so it just shows you that it's it's real it's not you know yeah um, I mean I, I can speak from experience that uh, uh, it's changed me for the better mm-hmm. and uh, I and I've seen it change others for the better too and um, I expect that that trend will just continue. Cool. Is there anything else you want to touch on with uh, psychedelics? No, I think, no. Uh, yeah, I think that, that covers my experience <laughs> with them. Um, yeah, somewhat extensive, I guess, for, 
for your average person, but yeah, um, I, I, it's such an honor to, I mean, to be on a path where I get to interact with plant medicines like that. I think they are really interesting and uh, they offer really cool and unique perspectives on human problems, which um, people are realizing, you know, that's just exploding in popularity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, which is, might not be a good thing, but uh, I, it, I think the more these medicines reach people um the better off we'll be as we uh, as we try to tackle the bigger problems that face our species as a whole um, yeah. people need creative solutions to problems yeah and with the government kind of getting involved and in doing testing you know ptsd and they're seeing positive results you know with soldiers and you know people that have signed up for these tests mm -hmm. that it's probably going to get there to where it's not illegal for scientists to actually be able to test yeah and, and see what can actually happen yeah because right now there isn't a lot of uh scientific evidence for benefits of doing yeah it's unfortunate that it's taken so long but thankfully it's finally seeming to uh go in the right direction yeah it's zipping around mm -hmm. um yeah dude we've been going for over an hour or so uh is there any uh is there any shows coming up that you're interested in do you still go to like shows touring shows i mean i think on the horizon right now local h is uh pretty number one for me with the um, uh, soul asylum show yeah and i wish they were headlining but you know i'm not going to complain about the opportunity opportunity to see them because that's they just kill it every single time agreed um i mean i'm hoping to uh be at the gomi show on the 25th i uh may be in texas climbing but i also have the following shows in my calendar and if not that one i'll make it to the others Cool. Um, I've got a very cl busy climbing schedule ahead of me. I'm going to Texas a few times. and um, Yeah, so as far as shows go, that's it right now. But I'm going to keep my eye on the calendar and see what's coming. The last great show I saw uh, last year, I saw, um, I don't know if these are bands that you like or, or are familiar with, um, one, one uh, called Elder. They are one of the best bands playing music today. I, I've just been so blown away by everything that they've done. Um, what are, what's the genre? Stoner rock? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like just rock and roll. Uh, I don't I don't really know what I would compare them to exactly. Um, but uh, they, they have some really incredible stuff. Long songs, uh, like long rock and roll, bluesy, uh, oh, sometimes okay. progressive, like epic songs that uh, check them out. they really have impressed me. And so I'm looking forward to what they're doing, and I'm definitely going to catch them again when I can. And then the other band that I've really been enjoying is Yob. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to see them last year, uh, and that was one of the better shows I've been to. So much fun yeah. and such a killer set. And uh, Where'd you see them at? Do you remember? Club Red. Club Red? Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw them at Yucca. Oh, nice. A long time ago. Same place I saw Elder, uh, Club Red. I've yeah. been seeing some good shows there lately. Yeah, Club Red used to be cool, but then when they moved to the new location, mm -hmm. like they're just, I don't know, the staff is, isn't. Yeah, I didn't get cool. a chance to go before, unfortunately. We used to play there all the time, uh, Club Red and the Red Owl. Oh, okay. It, it was an awesome room. You know, every, we loved everybody that worked there. It was a really cool place. But the new place, like, they're bad to the bands. Like, I know people that mm. have played there. They're staff isn't very nice like the security and all that stuff i couldn't even bring my gum in when i went i saw uh, life of agony i think was the last show i went there and you had a pack of gum on you and they wouldn't let you bring they it wouldn't they made me go back <laughs> to the car it seems kind of weird <laughs> it's just 
And they don't want to clean up the gum off the walls or something. I don't know. I guess you could justify it somehow, but yeah, yeah that's kind of weird. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in that phase right now to where I'm seeking out new bands. I've been in like a 90s, I don't want to say rut because it's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. but the whole past year, I've been, past couple years, I've been in a 90s flow. Yeah. We're just lit. And that, that's a broad spectrum from you know, grunge stuff to Deftones to, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not like alternative music. It's, you know, pretty broad spectrum. I'll put my phone on nineties mix and just whatever comes up. I'm the same way though. I'll listen to the same thing forever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, I should really check out something new, but (laughs) something new, you know, you can't force it. No. Um, But I do, I do tend to be rewarded if I decide I actually want to and like listen to a handful of new records or something Mm -hmm. like, you know, a couple of them will usually be really good. Yeah. I, there's a band, uh, 1000 Mods, that I've been, and they're like a stoner rock kind of band. Kind of like uh, Truck Fighters. Oh, cool. Sounding. I'll check them out. Yeah, check them out. They're pretty cool. I love Truck Fighters, too. Me, too. But any of that, you know. Yeah. Oh, you'll love Elder. Uh, yeah, really, I'll check them out for sure. Yeah, one of the best bands playing music today. I'm really looking forward to whatever they do next. Cool. All right, man. Well, uh, it's the wife's birthday. And we've been going for a little over an hour or so, so I think I'm gonna we're gonna cut this short. Is there anything else you want to promote? Oh, uh, well, uh, the shirt I'm wearing here, the AZWCC. This okay. is the Arizona Women's Climbing Coalition. Um, my girlfriend is a co-founder, and um, if there are any women out there interested in rock climbing, um, this is a group who is uh, there to provide a space for you to climb with other women, where uh, you know climbing is typically a male-dominated area arena Mm -hmm. and um you know just like anywhere that there's a lot of dudes it it can kind of be pushy and overwhelming and and uncomfortable for women who might just want to do their thing and then not have guys drooling over them so uh (laughs) so they jamie and uh other local women climbers have founded this group and um, i'm i love what they're doing and uh i would highly encourage anyone to reach out to them if they were ever interested so AZWCC, is there like a, a website.com or? I, I think it's AZWCC.com. Okay. Um, I would just Google AZWCC though, because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, yeah. And then for me, uh, once again, nice dreams, CBD.com. And if you use the low end uh, tag, you get 20% off any of the products and they have, you know, they have lotions, they have the CBD itself. They have a bunch of different products. So nice dream cbd.com to pick up your CBD products. Anything else? That's it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been really nice. Yeah, no, this was a great conversation. I don't get to talk to you a lot. Last time we talked, I was out of my mind. So, I don't <laughs> Well, <know. laughs> um, this time, I mean, I've been listening to your podcast, and I feel like uh, it's given me a perspective on you that I never had, even though we were bandmates and mm-hmm. uh, and have been friends for years. Uh, this It's been really nice to get to know you in a way that... Uh, uh, you know, you're really comfortable with, I think this podcast is a great idea and I, yeah. and I'm looking forward to hearing what you do. Cool, man. I really appreciate it. That's, that's a nice thing to say. Um, all right. Well, uh, right about now you're going to hear the outro music and, uh, I guess that's it. See you next time. Later. Later.